Good morning. My name is Oli, and along with my wife Catherine, uh, who you'll be hearing from later, we have the real privilege of speaking to you this morning in our series called Empowered in Work. So by way of an introduction, I'm a science teacher, um, so I'm the head of science in a secondary school, which means I have a brilliant team of teachers and technicians who I work with. So being a science teacher, I thought we'd start this morning with a little science lesson. Our current calculations suggest that the universe is 13.8 billion years old, give or take a couple of hundred million years. The Earth on which we stand is about four and a half billion years old. Our Earth uh, orbits a star, the Sun, uh, and our star is one of about a couple of hundred billion in our galaxy. It's very hard to be precise, it's quite hard to count these things. There might be as many as a trillion galaxies in the universe. Now I recognise that these numbers are pretty difficult to get your head around, so for some sort of context, if you wanted to count to a billion, it would take you about 30 years, provided that you didn't sleep. Why am I telling you this? Well, in Psalm chapter 19, it says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. You see, this unimaginably vast universe is there to speak of the splendor of our God. It's there to give us an impression of how magnificent, of how majestic he is. It's there to bring glory to him. And then on a Tuesday morning, I get up in the morning and I go to work. And I work hard until my day is done and I come home tired. And then I get up the next day and I do it again. And I keep doing that until I'm 65 or 70 and then my career's over and I'm done. And it's quite easy uh, in light of the, the scale of the universe, both in terms of size and in terms of time, to feel like my work is a little bit insignificant. So we're going to start this morning by opening our Bibles to Ecclesiastes and finding where Solomon wrote, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labours? It can feel like that sometimes, can't it? Especially when you consider that my life is just that in the great span of the universe. But that's not where we're starting. We're starting this morning uh, in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, and it says this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That means before God started building this universe more than 13.8 billion years ago, he chose me and he chose you. Why? Well, it says in verse 12, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And then in chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, my salvation, that free grace gift from God, won for me on the cross by Jesus as he paid the debt that I could never pay for myself, and then rising gloriously gave me the gift of free life, of, of eternal life. My salvation and, and the good works that he prepared in advance for me to do, they are part of an eternal plan to bring him glory. And that adds a great deal of significance to my work. So why doesn't it always feel like that? Why is it that when I'm marking exercise books at 10pm or when we're changing a nappy at 3 in the morning or when I'm mowing the lawn, why doesn't it feel glorious? Well, that's because the Christian life is not a 100 metre sprint played out in a stadium under the floodlights and under the gaze of an adoring media. It's a long distance event, made up of many thousands of seemingly small, seemingly unremarkable, seemingly insignificant steps. And there's a danger that if we keep our heads down, if we keep looking for where the next step is, we might miss the bigger picture that these many steps, this 
thousands and thousands of small events, of small acts, build to something that leads to eternal glory for our King. And that's what we want to talk about this morning, that tension between the enormous significance that God has put on our lives, and yet the fact that many of it feel, much of it feels like small, insignificant, unremarkable steps. We're going to look at three ways of taking those steps for the glory of God, and Catherine's going to talk about the first two. Hi, so I'm Catherine, and just a little introduction about me and my work. I have two jobs, so for two days a week I work as a GP, and for the other five days I'm a homemaker and a mum to our two boys, Henry and Toby, who are four and one. So quite different things, but I view them both as really important roles that I have. So as Ollie said, we're looking today at the significance of what can seem like small steps in fulfilling our ultimate purpose of bringing glory to God through our work, and we've thought of three ways to look at this. So the first doesn't sound like a small step at all, share the gospel. This is what Jesus told us to do before he returned to heaven and what a lot of the Bible encourages us to do too. What a big scary command. I tend to think of myself as not being a natural evangelist and that I don't really manage to follow this instruction. Yet in my job as a mum, I have an amazing opportunity to tell my children about Jesus especially while they're young and I am their main influencer. We can sing Jesus songs. We can read Bible stories together. I can talk about God's creation when we go for a walk. We can do family prayers. And I can try to answer all the difficult questions a four-year-old's brain wonders about. Lots of little things to bring into the everyday to show our children what a life lived with and for Jesus looks like. I don't manage to do all these things all the time and often I fail dismally but I try to recognise the privilege that I have to introduce my children to Jesus without reproach or embarrassment or fear for my job. We have a great deal of freedom as parents to share the gospel with our children, but it's likely to come in the form of hundreds of small conversations and comments rather than carefully leading our children through a step-by-step -step systematic theology or a one-time lecture on salvation. However we do it, it's not always easy and the challenges change as our children grow. But if you're a parent, are you making the most of this opportunity? God has placed his precious children in your care and given you a unique responsibility to share his love with them. On the other hand, in my job as a GP and Ollie's work as a teacher, speaking about Jesus to my patients or his students is not really appropriate. So that's a lot of the working day spent with people we can't directly share the gospel with. Preaching the gospel to colleagues is at least more possible, but as I expect you'll agree, it can be really difficult. Although we've both talked to our colleagues about what we believe, neither of us has ever led a colleague to Christ, we don't routinely pray with the people we work with, and conversations about Jesus do not come up every day. But God is full of grace, and he knows our and your individual work situations. There are countless ways we can glorify God in our work that may one day lead to sharing the gospel in a more obvious way or that may simply bring him glory in the moment. These may seem like small steps, but they have lasting significance and bring glory to God. We continue to pray for boldness and opportunity to share the gospel with colleagues whilst also looking for other chances to glorify God. This brings us on to the next of our seemingly small steps, doing a good job. Colossians 3 reminds us, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. 
it is Christ you are serving. Similarly, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So all of our activities, attitudes, projects, actions and conversations at work are to be done wholeheartedly and for God's glory, as though we're doing them for Jesus. This puts a new perspective on my washing up and changing nappies when I'm at home and on each patient consultation in the surgery. I am serving Jesus. Of course I want to do a good job. But maintaining my enthusiasm is tricky when I'm washing up for the fourth time that day or dealing with a patient who seems to be wasting my time and when I'm fairly sure that no one will even notice that I've bothered to clean the windows before smudgy fingerprints appear all over them again. But God sees and God knows. Even just between me and God, he knows the attitude of my heart and whether it brings glory to him. And to the onlooker, whether it's my patient or my colleague, or it's my husband or my son, how I carry out my job speaks volumes. I'm sure lots of us have experienced working with someone who is lazy or has a bad attitude and makes it clear they hate their job. That doesn't bring glory to God and it doesn't point people to God. But if I try to do a good job with a pleasant attitude, even when my task is as mundane as peeling potatoes or signing endless repeat prescriptions, then I am serving Jesus and bringing him glory. And I may even be asked by a colleague how I can still be smiling when I'm asked to do some tedious paperwork at the end of a long day. What is the mundane task in your work? How can you work at it with all your heart as though you are serving Jesus? Where do you need to change your attitude to your work? As Philippians 2 encourages us, let's do everything without grumbling or arguing so that we shine like stars. Are you doing a good job to bring maximum glory to God or are you settling for mediocre? To counter this last question, as with most things in the Christian life, I think there's a balance to be found between doing a good job at the task or work God has entrusted us with and a tendency towards perfectionism. There are various issues with extreme perfectionism, but the one I want to focus on is this. Am I really doing a good job at work if it is to the detriment of other aspects of my life? Do I need to stay late in the surgery to make sure absolutely everything I've written that day is spelt correctly, or is one read-through at the time enough? Will it make a difference to my four-year-old son if I've got up extra early to prepare a fancy craft activity rather than letting him work through a ready-made sticker book? Jobs are God-given and good, and we are called to do them well, but sometimes good enough is good enough. Jesus did not spend all his time working. He probably could have healed more people and told more parables, but we often read in the, in the Gospels that he withdrew to pray away from the people he served. When Jesus visited his friend Martha, she was no doubt preparing a very tasty meal and the house was extremely tidy, but he gently encouraged her to sit with her sister Mary and spend time with him instead. Am I trying so hard to glorify God through doing a good job that I missed the point and have crashed out before I spent time with him. Are you? Where is your balance point? Is a perfectionist tendency at work robbing you of time with God or with your family? Jesus came to bring life to the full and in abundance. He wants us to work hard to do the good works he prepared for us, but he wants there to be freedom within that so that we can glorify God through everything we do, not just our work. So do a good job, but don't necessarily strive to do the best job all the time. 
Let's pray for wisdom to get the balance right as we seek to bring him glory through these small steps. So maintaining a godly attitude to our work, as Catherine has described, is not easy. It's no mean feat. But let's remember that we don't need to do it on our own. Yes, we do have a responsibility, but we're not alone because the Bible promises that the Holy Spirit lives in us. Paul describes what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to live in a person. He says it's like a plant that grows and the fruit of that plant is inevitable. Benita used these verses from uh, Galatians uh, a couple of weeks ago, but it's worth going back to them. So Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So as Catherine said, it's not usually appropriate for me to talk about Jesus in my classroom or for her to talk about Jesus in her consulting room, but there's nothing to stop us doing these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Each of our small steps should be taken by matching our footsteps to the Holy Spirit's footsteps, by matching our direction and our decisions to his. And so we can ask him, which aspects of the fruit here uh, is it that my workplace particularly needs at the moment? Either way, the Bible is really clear about what it will look like when a spirit-filled believer is in a workplace. We would expect to see love and joy and peace. Now, these are not things that happen uh, as one key event in your career. These are things that uh, are worked on over months and years. We want to pick two examples of this fruit uh, and, and talk through them to give some kind of idea of what that would look like in the workplace. And the first of those uh, is kindness. So since uh, Catherine took her current job in her, in her surgery, uh, from, even from the very first day, she's made a real point of forming positive relationships with everyone she works with from the top to the bottom of the so-called hierarchy. And I think that the way that she treats uh, her secretaries and her receptionists says a lot more about her kindness than the way she treats her boss. How about you? What does kindness look like in your workplace? If you want uh, a quick test of how kind you are at work, why not ask yourself this? How am I viewed by the person at the bottom of the pay structure? How am I viewed by the most junior person in my team? How am I viewed by the outsider in the staff room? It's a challenge. Another way that uh, Catherine has worked with kindness is to make sure that she always gives her patients plenty of time to talk. She really listens to them. That sometimes means that she leaves work late. And I know for myself that sometimes there's a tendency, especially when I'm busy, to focus so much on getting the job done that I forget to leave time to listen to my colleagues. I forget to leave time to listen to my students. I forget people. But Almighty God didn't forget me, and so I don't want to forget others. Now, kindness is not glamorous. Most of your kindness will probably go entirely unnoticed. But it is a key way that the people of God express their position as children in the kingdom. So that's the first one, kindness. The second thing we wanted to look at is faithfulness. Faithfulness is that, that act of being true, of being consistent, of being reliable, integrity, if you like. When I was 22, I took my first uh, proper teaching job. Uh, and as I arrived, the deputy head in the school uh, was a chap called Steve Kane, who I'm sure most of you will know. From day one, it was abundantly clear that Steve's reputation for integrity was well established. And that wasn't something that had happened overnight. It wasn't something even that had happened over the space of a term or a year. It was something that had taken years of faithful service to God to build up. 
Steve was known as somebody who would speak truthfully. There was no covering things up when he made a mistake. There was no misleading and deceiving to get a foot up. Steve was known for integrity and straightforward honesty. And that's been an inspiration to me in my career. So I set out from an early stage and decided if I make a mistake, I'll admit to it. If I have a difficult conversation to have with a colleague or a, a parent or a student, I'm going to be clear and open about that. I don't always get it right. And the temptation I feel to not walk in integrity is testament to how deeply countercultural this is. In our society, misleading people, saying things are one way when we know that they're another, that's deeply entrenched and entirely normal, completely accepted. And so to follow Jesus' command in Matthew chapter 5 and let your yes be yes and your no be no will make you stand out and, as it says in Philippians, shine like a star. You know, in our workplaces, there are occasions where we're immediately aware. It's very clear to us the significance of the moment. Perhaps you have an opportunity to, to share your faith with a colleague and you get that, that feeling of significance in your stomach, that, that kind of weight. You know this is, a big, this is a big occasion. But I think most of what the world sees of us, most of what non-believers see of us, most of what we, we show to those around us, looks and feels entirely unremarkable. Just a series of everyday steps of obedience and faithfulness. Our prayer for us as we go through our jobs and for, for all of you as you go through yours is that each small step that you take in your career is taken empowered by the Holy Spirit. We've looked at three of those steps today. We've talked about talking about Jesus. We talked about doing a good job, maintaining a godly attitude to your work. And we talked about operating in a way that expresses the values of the kingdom of God, walking in the fruit of the Spirit. And those things, though they might feel and appear small and unremarkable at the time, the Bible is clear that ultimately they bring eternal glory to the King of Kings. And there can be no more significant way of living your life than that, because that is what we were made for. That is why before God even started building this amazing and beautiful universe that we get to live in, he chose me and he chose you and he planned works for us to do. Just small steps, but small step after small step that builds to his eternal and amazing glory. Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, we thank you for the different roles and jobs that you've given us. Thank you, God, that you are always with us as we go into our um, workplaces or our homes or wherever it is that you have placed us. Lord, help us to keep looking to you, to keep looking to you, to bring significance to those small steps that we are taking. God, thank you that you have prepared good works in advance for us to do and that you chose us before the creation of your amazing universe. I pray that this week and the next week and going on, Lord, as we continue our walk with you, that you would help us to keep in step with your spirit. Lord, help us to share the gospel with the people that we're with. Help us to do a good job, maintain a godly attitude, but get that balance right. And help us to bring the values of your kingdom and the fruits of your spirit to the people that we meet. Amen. Amen.